Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host, and um, we have a great show for you today with a really fun guest, and it's uh, it's perfect timing uh, because, uh, as you all know, I spend part of my time um, in Malta in the Mediterranean, and one of the things about being there is that when I wake up in the morning and my eyes light upon the blue, blue sky, which is almost always blue, uh, with the sun and the sea, um, regardless of what's going on, it lifts me up. Um, and I am currently on the Oregon coast and it's been beautiful and sunny. And we've been watching the weather because we can see that that beautiful sunny is going away soon and that it stays away <laughs> for the foreseeable future. So, um, we have Dr. Greg Hammer on today, and we're going to talk about SAD or seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression, um, what it is, where it comes from, um, how you might be experiencing it, and what to do about it. So um, I'm going to tell you more about Dr. Hammer, but but I want to welcome you first to the show. Welcome, Dr. Hammer, to Freedom for Humans. Great to be with you. Please call me Greg. Okay. Um, so, Greg, I'm going to tell everybody a bit more about you. I'm Greg Hammer, MD, is a professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiologist, mindfulness expert, and the author of Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals, um, which I'm um, interested in. I spent almost my whole career in healthcare, um, so I, I'm finding that very interesting. Uh, Greg is a member of the Stanford WellMD Initiative. Dr. Hammer is the former chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists. He has been a visiting professor and lecturer on wellness at institutions worldwide and teaches GAIN to medical students, residents, and fellows at Stanford. Um, Dr. Hammer's, Hammer's clinical focus is in pediatric cardiac anesthesia and pediatric critical care medicine. His research is in developmental pharmacology and immunology, and he has an active laboratory with multiple ongoing studies in these areas. He has published widely on topics related to pharmacology and perioperative care of children undergoing cardiac and thoracic procedures, as well as organ transplantation. My goodness. Dr. Hammer is a health enthusiast and meditator, not to be confused with mediator. I read that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, utilizing a non-duality and mindfulness-based approach, including the GAIN method, which we're going to learn more about today. Wow. Greg, you do a lot. You've done a lot and you do a lot. Well, I appreciate the, those kind words. Um, I'm actually stepping away from my clinical practice uh, in order to focus more on writing and uh and other things, still doing a lot of consulting and staying fit and and speaking around the world. I just came back from two weeks in Turkey and mm. New York and Los Angeles, and then two weeks in Japan and Hong Kong. And so I'm eager to 
roll up my sleeves and get back into finishing my third book, which is about uh, mindfulness for teenagers. But um, mm-hmm. in any case, it's great to be with you. And um, yeah, let's uh, have a lovely chat, which I'm sure we're about to have. Yes, let's do it. Um, so as I mentioned, um, I've been, you know, looking at the weather app on my phone, which gives us about 10 days. We can see about 10 days into the future. And I see all of the uh, rainy, cloudy icons. Um, And I do, I have this slight feeling of dread. (laughs) So I'm sure that has a sad, uh, I'm sure that has a sad connection so can you talk with us more about what that is, what sad is, um, and where sure. kind of where it comes from, what it does to us? Yeah, absolutely. I think, first of all, I'm not a psychiatrist. As you know, you mentioned uh, the word psychiatrist was not in the credentials as you read them. Um, and I, I would like to distinguish between what we call the winter blues and seasonal affective disorder or SAD. Seasonal affective disorder, I know the terms are often used interchangeably, but I consider seasonal affective disorder a bit more severe than the winter blues. And I would just like to make it clear that if anybody is depressed, not able to function, um, not sleeping, losing or gaining weight due to seasonal affective disorder or any other form of depression that's that severe, uh, please get professional help in the area of psychology and psychiatry. Um, but as far as the milder version of sad, let's say, mm-hmm. which is when we're just sad, but not clinically depressed, <laughs> right? that might be called the winter blues. And, and I think you've already highlighted one of the major contributors, which is the relative lack of sunlight. And, you know, I still appreciate every day the intensely blue sky and at this time of year the intense colors all around in the fall and it's been spectacular this year as usual with lots of bright yellows and oranges and reds on the deciduous trees Um, those are leaves are mostly fallen but not completely but i grew up outside of chicago which was just did not have the the clarity of the light that we enjoy here in the Bay Area in California, particularly down the peninsula uh, at Stanford. So I think that to me, that light is so important in my life and so important for my mood. And that's why I probably couldn't live where you do up in Oregon, because I really thrive on the sunlight. And, And when that's deficient, Uh, especially for days and weeks and weeks and even months on end, uh, it does make most of us uh, prone to being a bit down. Mm -hmm. I I think it's exposure to sunlight itself is a significant cause of the winter blues. Um, But there are a bunch of other causes we can discuss as well. So um, if we talk a bit about this, the sunlight piece, what is it about the sunlight? or the lack of some sunlight that contributes to us feeling that sort of sinking feeling um, with our mood? Well, you know, I think it, 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 the very short days and lack of sunlight 
for many of us going to work in the morning, it's dark. And then when we come home in the evening, it's dark and we haven't had a chance to go outside at all, even uh, if there is sunlight, which there may or may not be much of in the winter. Um, you know, there are uh, hormonal changes uh, that occur that are triggered by light, of course. I mean, we know that uh, experiencing darkness is an important prerequisite to good sleep. Mm -hmm. So, for, you know, for people that are trying to go to sleep when there's light outside, it's great to have uh, blackout shades, for example, or an eye shade or both. Uh, the, that darkness triggers the release of melatonin in the evening when it's time for us to go to sleep. Uh, many people take that as a supplement. Um, but I, I can't really, I don't think we have all the facts on exactly what it is about sunlight. And for some people, even just indoor light helps. Mm. I was talking to uh, Dr. Mike Roizen yesterday since I was on his show. Mike is uh, also an anesthesiologist who is, uh, I think, now emeritus chief wellness officer at the Cleveland Clinic. And I've known Mike for many years, as well as his wife, Nancy. And Mike told me, as we were talking about this very subject, that when he lived in San Francisco, he went to all the Warriors games in the wintertime. And that brilliant light inside the arena seemed to have a beneficial effect on him. I don't know if it was the light or the community of people cheering for the Warriors and especially when the Warriors won. I mean, obviously many factors involved there, but he felt that even bright indoor light is helpful to him. Mm. So I think, you know, for me, I think the outdoor light is most important. And I think the important fact is that we benefit from being in natural sunlight and whatever the mechanism with respect to our mood, and it's a bell-shaped curve, we're all different. Um, on the extremes are people that get very depressed in the absence of very much sunlight and people who don't seem to mind at all having minimal sunlight. But in the middle, most of us uh, do get some mood elevation with the sunlight. And, and I can only recommend that people make a point of getting outside during the daytime, even as the hours grow shorter and there might not be clear skies, just to get out and be exposed to that natural lightness outside um, uh, is really important, but I can't really give you a scientific explanation for uh, why that is true. It's a, it's a personal thing, I guess. Okay. And um, do you have a opinion about like vitamin D supplementing as a, like versus just getting yourself outside? Well, you know, even at this latitude uh, here in California in Northern California, we don't typically get enough sunlight. And beside that, many of us try to stay out of the sun to right. a degree or wear <laughs> sunscreen or both. Um, so many of us are deficient in vitamin D. Fortunately, it's easy to have your vitamin D levels checked. And when I did that not long ago, mine were on the low side. And so I, I take a supplement and it's one of those supplements that might be very helpful and it's very unlikely to be harmful unless you're taking 10 times the recommended dose or more consistently because fat soluble vitamins like vitamin D are stored in the body, in the liver, for example. So we shouldn't overdose, but mm -hmm. really no downside to taking the usual recommended dose. And, you know, I, I would recommend that for everybody who's not living in a more equatorial location and outside in the sun quite a lot. 
And, and the fact is, it's easy to have your vitamin D level checked. So I would recommend that everybody does that. Okay. So if you're getting a healthcare visit and you're getting blood drawn and you haven't had it checked and it's winter and you feel a little bit of the blues, that would be an easy thing to do. And it sounds like, cause sometimes, you know, we're told to supplement and it's, it doesn't really do anything, but it sounds like uh, supplementing vitamin D is actually helpful. Yes, it is. And it's one of those potential deficiencies, or even when you're at the low end of the spectrum in terms of measured vitamin D levels in the bloodstream, you know, the effects are kind of nonspecific to relative vitamin D deficiency. It can be fatigue, Mm. mental fog, et cetera. So of course, there are so many causes for those Mm. symptoms, but uh, it's worth having your level checked and making sure that you're vitamin D concentration is at least in the normal range, in the middle of the normal range. And absent that, I would just recommend that people do take a supplement. Okay, great. And, um, you know, I, I, of course I I go for walks often. Walking is one of my favorite, uh, forms of exercise and I walk outside. So I don't walk on a machine to nowhere. Not, I'm not capping on that. If somebody (laughs) likes to walk on a machine to nowhere, I'm not. (laughs) Uh, I have no judgment about that. It is not for me. Um, I would rather do probably just about anything else. Um, And so I love to walk outside. And of course, I've been having these wonderful sunny walks, but it's going to be equally as important for me to get out there and walk regardless, right? Of whether it's sunny or not, because I'm still getting, I'm still getting the benefits of being out in the daylight. Yes. But you know, you're probably at this time of year in particular, largely covered up. So there's not that much of your skin that's exposed to whatever sunlight there is. So um, yeah, I think you should have your vitamin D level checked, Kirsten, and get back to us. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, just taking something like 600 or 800 uh, units or even 1,000 units or more uh, a day, I think is helpful. Okay. All right. And then you mentioned something earlier when you were talking about um, going to the Warriors games and the indoor light. Um, because the weather can cause us to stay inside more, which causes us to sometimes be alone more. Yes. I'm guessing that also potentially has an impact on somebody's winter blues or if they actually have sad. Yes. I think that, you know, there's a number of issues, um, and I try to make things simple, but I think, um, one thing you're describing is sort of a lack of connection to other people. And I think that's always huge. I think there's three things that uh, we need to do in general, and that is uh, to be in community with others and to share company with others. And um, obviously it's better to do that in person, but even virtually as you and I are doing now Mm -hmm. uh, is so important. So being in community, um, learning, growing, I think, never stop investigating, satisfying one's curiosity, learning and and growing intellectually is is the second ingredient. And I think the third one is serving others. So, Mm. you know, these are three things that I'm very focused on as I'm kind of in a transition in my career. And I've been serving others all my life, um, although I've been well paid for it. So I'm not uh, saying that I've, uh, you know, laid my body down altogether, but I need to, uh, you know, as I'm looking toward retirement, think of ongoing ways to serve. 
but certainly being in community with other people is huge. And yes, we spend more time indoors and, and especially if we live alone, therefore we spend a lot of time alone right. in the winter. Um, I think, you know, there are, as I write and talk about quite a bit, three legs of the tripod that support our physical health, our sleep, exercise, and nutrition. And those are so intertwined, just as the four ingredients to mental and spiritual growth and happiness are, those being gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment, hence the acronym GAIN. But just in terms of our physical bodies, uh, when we are a little bit off the rails, we're not sleeping that well, um, we tend to when we're tired and fatigued during the day, pick up sugary refined foods to get a temporary mm. boost. Yeah, I could say, uh, you know, after a night on call, when I'm in the hospital and I'm walking past a nursing station, especially around the holidays, there's a nice box of seized candies. <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, it's hard not to pick one up when you're tired. Nothing seems to taste better than chocolate to me. Uh, but we, when we're not sleeping well, we tend to pick up sugary foods and maybe our nutrition goes a bit downhill and we also are fatigued and tend not to exercise as much as we need to so we know that exercise and healthy eating contribute to good sleep as well so this becomes kind of a self-perpetuating cycle of relatively mm -hmm. impaired sleep poor nutrition not enough exercise promoting less than optimal sleep, et cetera. And so I think when we're feeling sad, uh, when we're feeling a bit off the rails in general, just go back to focusing on those basic things. And, and I agree with you. That means being in connection with others. But let's not forget to take care of our own bodies. And we can talk about sleep hygiene, uh, all of the scientific data that support the role of different forms of exercise and maintaining our physical and therefore mental health and also the way we eat and and when we eat actually is so important so we can talk about all those but i think during the winter when we're we may be a bit down we may be a little bit lonely we may be a, a little bit light deprived let's focus on the basics of sleep exercise and nutrition and get kind of back on track okay Fantastic. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I would love to talk more about those three things and give people some tips. If the, if what you described is happening in their life right now, um, we've had to uh, make some adjustments and turn, turn those things around. You're listening to Freedom for Humans, and we'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we're talking with um, Dr. Hammer today about um, what to do to manage through um, winter blues or seasonal affective disorder, which would be uh, kind of a more more extreme version um, of the winter blues. And before the break, we talked a bit about sleep, exercise, and nutrition. And um, Greg gave us some great examples of just what happens, right? We're already feeling down a bit. And then our sleep is disturbed. We're tired. There's sugary foods maybe because of the holidays and et cetera and so forth. Um, And also depending on what your exercise routine is, if like me, you're an outside exerciser, it can, it can become not quite as, uh, not quite as appealing uh, to go outside to do our exercise. So what can people do um, to manage this kind of trifecta of super important pieces? Sure. First, we could talk about sleep. And most of us know what good sleep hygiene is. We just may not do it. Obviously, knowing and doing are, are different. But they're, you know, they're very different, right? Because we're not supposed to look at a screen before bed. But how many, how many of us do that? You know, some people aren't bothered by that. But, you know, we can start with areas that are sort of near and dear to my heart, and they involve pharmacology. So, you know, I used to have a cup of coffee after lunch. Um, you know, typically, after eating a meal, we get a little sleepy, especially in the middle of the day, and a cup of coffee kind of hits the spot. And then I thought about it. And Caffeine has a half-life of five or six hours, which is rather long. So what that means is when you have a cup of coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon or even one o'clock in the afternoon, you get a peak concentration of caffeine in your bloodstream 45 minutes later or so. And five or six hours later, that might be, let's say, if the coffee was at one o'clock, let's call it even six o'clock, it's the equivalent of having half a cup of coffee at six o'clock in terms Uh of plasma concentration of caffeine. And 
a quarter of a cup of coffee at, at 11 o'clock in the evening. So Ooh. if you're at all sensitive to caffeine, that's going to prevent you from having a deep sleep. And I am sensitive to caffeine. And again, it's a bell-shaped curve. There are people that are exquisitely sensitive and they can't even have tea with caffeine in it in the morning because they get so jittery and, and their heart is racing. And there are people at the other end of the extreme that can have an espresso or a cup of coffee right before they go to bed. But yes. most of us are in the middle. And so consider not drinking coffee after some time in the relatively early morning. So I have my coffee, which I love uh, first thing, and then I don't have any more. So that's caffeine. Alcohol is another one. Alcohol binds uh, one of the receptors that is key to the provision of general anesthesia or sedation. So there's a receptor on uh, cells in our brain called the GABA receptor. It stands for gamma amino butyric acid. Obviously, nobody has to remember that, but the GABA receptor and uh, benzodiazepines like Valium, for example, the inhaled anesthetics, intravenous sedative anesthetics interact with the gap with the GABA receptor to provide sedation. And um, but they interfere with deep sleep. So when somebody's asleep under general anesthesia, they're not really asleep. They're in a medically induced state of unconsciousness called hypnosis. And when we drink alcohol, though, we stimulate that same GABA receptor, and it too, like the general anesthetics and sedatives that we use uh, for diagnostic and therapeutic procedures, uh, interferes with deep sleep. If you look at the electroencephalogram or EEG or the brain waves of somebody who's a, a unconscious after taking a Valium-like drug or drinking alcohol, they don't have normal EEG patterns. They don't have normal sleep physiology. And, and deep sleep in particular is so important. It's not just a passive state. The brain is, there's active things going on in the brain. You know, for mm -hmm. example, there are proteins that tend to accumulate in the brain um, called beta uh, amyloid and tau that are known to contribute to dementia. They're elevated and much more present in people with repeated head injury, like American football players, for example, but they're also present in normal people. And when we're in deep sleep, our brain is clearing those out. So there mm -hmm. are important processes, that being one example of deep, of, of what happens physiologically when we're in normal deep sleep and alcohol interferes with that. So uh, it might help us pass out, but we're not gonna wake up feeling refreshed, even just from one glass of wine or a cocktail proximate to the time we go to sleep. So caffeine and alcohol, and then as you suggested, screens, um, you know, the blue light from our phones, our tablets, our laptops, and even television may interfere with uh, our normal circadian rhythms. Uh, again, I'm not particularly bothered by that. I can be on my laptop watching a documentary on Netflix and close the thing when I get sleepy and I'm fine, but mm -hmm. other people are sensitive, more sensitive to that blue light. Um, you know, we talked about the darkness of the room and also the temperature of the room. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. It's important to have a cool room. Pardon me. Yes, a cool room for <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So I set my <clears throat> thermostat on 65 degrees. Sorry. <clears throat> Greg has a frog in his throat. Everyone. Yes, it just leaped just, out. He's just clearing the frog. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so, you know, darkness, coolness of the room. Um, you know, those are some basics of sleep hygiene. Uh, avoid caffeine, alcohol late in the day, eating very close to the time of going to sleep, uh, interferes with normal sleep. Uh, don't take medications to facilitate sleep, except for very short term. I think melatonin might be one exception. Um, I think that is a, a safe thing to take. Our secretion of melatonin in the pineal gland in the brain decreases as we get older. So a little bit of mel melatonin supplement might actually be good. Uh, but otherwise, even things like uh, Benadryl, which is diphenhydramine that's in a lot of things that people might take, like NyQuil or other bedtime preparations for sleep or for cough and cold symptoms, uh, interferes with sleep. So those are just mm -hmm. some basics of sleep hygiene. And I think most of us are aware of, of most of those things. I'm glad you mentioned the melatonin supplement because I was curious about that. I, have, I always kind of wonder if I'm supplementing something that my body is supposed to be making, am I, am I doing my, my body a disservice? Yes. I mean, many times we take medications and um, depending on the type of medication, it may suppress if it's not, if it's a substance that our body naturally produces, it may suppress the natural the production production. Right. So I'm, I, I'm not aware of any data on melatonin. I think it's, as far as I know, pretty safe to take you know, especially a lower dose, like three milligrams at bedtime. Okay. If you've been having some difficulty sleeping, I know people take up to 10 milligrams. So you just have to see what works for you. But I, I think you raise a good point. It's better not to take anything if you don't need it. But mm -hmm. if you're finding that your sleep is is off and you feel like you need something to help you sleep, uh, at least on a temporary basis, I think a, a small dose of melatonin is is quite benign. Okay. I'm also glad you mentioned um just alcohol, because if you're drinking in the evenings in order to go to sleep and it's, it feels like it's inducing sleep, but based on what you're explaining, you're not getting deep, restful sleep if it's alcohol induced. Yes. And even just a glass of wine, uh, for example, proximate to the time of going to sleep interferes with normal sleep physiology. So, okay. Uh, yes. I think that's an important point. Okay. All right. And last night I wanted a hot cup of decaf and you know what? I did not, I did not, I went out to dinner with my mom and she said, Oh, weren't you going to order some decaf? And I said, you know, there's, there's caffeine in that. I really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, good for you. Yeah. I because it messes up my, yeah, yeah, it messes up my sleep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, nutrition is one of the other ones. Right. So I think, um, you know, again, uh, there's been a debate about whether we should limit our carbohydrate intake or limit our fat intake. We can't really do both since the three major food uh, groups are those that contain carbohydrate, fat, and protein. So we can't eliminate carbs and fats. I think the scales are kind of tipping to a lower carbohydrate diet, mm -hmm. but for sure that includes uh, simple carbohydrates like sugars, even from fruit even fructose. So, you know, one, one thing that I started doing some time ago is monitoring my blood sugar continuously. There's, um, you know, a monitor for continuous glucose measurement that simply goes on the back of your arm. You need a prescription for it in the United States, at least. And then it syncs with your, your phone. And then you, it, 
you can keep it on for two weeks and you can see exactly what your blood sugar does over time. So the first thing is you can see what your fasting blood sugar is and it should be below a hundred. So if it's not, um, and check before you get out of bed, if you're using one of these continuous glucose monitors, uh, should be below hundred. If it's not, you may, you may be pre-diabetic type two diabetes, which is, uh, commonly uh, associated with aging and and we could talk more about that in specific but I, I think the benefit of these monitors is that you see what the effects of various foods are on your blood sugar and we really don't want our blood sugar spiking over 150 or so if we can avoid it and so some people can have rice potatoes uh, whole grain bread and their uh, blood sugar doesn't really go up that much other people will have spike in their blood sugar with those things so I personally think keeping carbohydrates to a relative minimum, um, not avoiding them altogether, complex whole grain carbohydrates in particular, but avoiding sugar and sugary foods. And that even includes overdoing it with fruit. So I stopped drinking fruit juice. I do eat whole fruits because they have fiber. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's of some benefit. In fact, the fiber may limit the increase in blood sugar from having an apple or so a whole apple as opposed to apple juice or right. a whole orange as opposed to orange juice. But I think even too much fruit is unhealthy. So I, I think moving to a more plant-based diet, um, minimizing meat for sure, beef and pork, um, although having them occasionally is not bad and, and better for protein. If you're going to eat animal protein, I would say poultry uh, obviously preferably organic where the animals and, and free range where the animals are able to, uh, move about freely and mm -hmm. are not fed hormones and other substances yeah. that are unhealthy. Um, but I've been, uh, was a vegetarian for decades and I started eating fish again, but, uh, uh, don't eat other, eat a, any other, uh, animal protein besides eggs and, and, and dairy. Mm, dairy. Um, but moving toward a more plant-based diet, limiting carbohydrates, especially refined sugars and even fruit sugars, uh, having, uh, I think protein is good, especially as we age, we, we lose about 10% of our muscle mass per decade as we get older and our muscle mass absent, uh, a, a vigorous exercise regimen tends to peak in our twenties. So it's a little bit potentially depressing to know that you're losing 10% of your muscle mass every decade thereafter. Wow. So by the time you're in your seventies, you may have lost half your muscle mass. So, um, hmm. the eye and gain is intention. We need to have intention with regard to keeping ourselves healthy. As we were talking about having a plan with regard to our sleep hygiene, uh, we also need to have a plan with regard to our nutrition. And I think, um, protein is important. And, um, limiting carbs and and then as far as fats you know there are healthy fats like those high in uh the omega threes uh like fish oil so i think salmon and uh sardines and other fishes that are high in omega-3 are healthy um you know everything in moderation of course and it's also when we eat it turns out that um i used to think intermittent fasting was a fad but actually, there's emerging science that supports intermittent fasting, because if we eat during an eight-hour period and don't eat during a 16-hour period, that's sort of minimum intermittent fasting. The true mm -hmm. intermittent fasting gurus may just have one meal a day, so they're 
basically fasting for 22 hours a day. Um, since I have access to food more readily than I did when I was in the operating room or the intensive care unit all day, um, it's not too difficult for me to limit my eating to an eight hour period, generally after 11 a.m. And I, I try to be done sometime around 7 p.m. or a little bit thereafter. And it turns out that that fasting period when we're hungry but not eating uh, is a little bit of a stress to our metabolism, which is healthy. So, you know, the expression, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. I don't think that always applies to things that are stressful, but that type of low-grade stress uh, is called hormesis. And hormesis tends to promote uh, some healthy processes in the body, like clearing uh, aging and dead cells from our tissues that, that are pro-inflammatory and a number of other, having a number of other benefits, this hormesis. And we can talk about that uh, in more detail if you'd like. But so intermittent fasting is good. So not only what you eat, but when you eat, if you have the uh, ability, depending on your your lifestyle and your job to to plan when you eat that precisely. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear. I was sort of wondering about the intermittent, intermittent fasting um, because, you know, things come out and they're all the, they're all the rage and they're often tied to, you know, people wanting to lose weight. Of course, that's a, always a very kind of common goal, but it's, I think it's hard for all of us to know what is good for us, you know, what is good for a human body and what is maybe not uh, quite so good for a human body, which maybe gives us a short-term um, effect of losing weight, but it might not be good for us in the long-term. Yes. Well, intermittent fasting does, you know, contribute potentially to weight loss. But I think the bottom line is kind of savor that feeling of being a bit hungry. Yes. We don't always have to seek food when we're hungry. Exactly. And um, that's a great, that is a great place to leave it. We're going to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to, um, we can um, touch on exercise, but I want to be sure that we um, work through the gain method. Um, sure. So everybody knows uh, how to use that. You are listening to Freedom for Humans, and we'll be right back. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Are you tired of overeating, overspending? Drinking too much or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and we're here with Dr. Greg Hammer. And we've been talking about um, how we experience the winter blues um, what to do about it. And um, in this last segment, we're going to talk a bit about exercise, the importance of exercise, and also um, the GAIN method, G-A-I-N, uh, developed by by Greg. And I think, you know, as I've been orienting to it, I feel like it's so useful and helpful in so many different ways. Yeah. So exercise, we talked about sleep hygiene and uh and nutrition a little bit. Uh, exercise has been shown also to have a myriad of benefits. And I think we could talk about three kinds of exercise that we should all incorporate into our routine. Uh, the first one is aerobic exercise or cardio. <laughs> we know that being in what's called zone two, which means uh, you're either walking vigorously enough or pedaling or doing some other kind of sustained exercise, hiking uphill, where you can't really talk comfortably in complete sentences. You want to have that for, let's say, at least 30 minutes at a time, a few times a week. Of course, you know, the, the gurus recommend a lot more than that, but I think it gets to be a little bit daunting and impractical for many of us. So I think getting uh, into that sort of short of breath, sustained uh, if you want to measure your heart rate, getting, you know, close to 80% of your maximum heart rate, and there's easy formula for that. Um, cardio is very important for uh, nourishing your cardiovascular system and increasing blood flow to vital organs, including our brains. The second kind of exercise that we all need is resistance training. So whether it's weights or machines, particularly with eccentric exercises like uh if you have access to uh, well you can get stretchy bands or use a machine with cables but using uh one arm at a time for example sort of planting your feet engaging your core and pulling or pushing uh up down sideways rotating with one arm at a time uh while engaging your core really strengthens your core and also it strengthens your bones it it combats that loss of muscle mass as we age, that is, you know, resistance training at least twice a week. Um, but it also increases our bone density. And for women in particular who are postmenopausal, who are at risk for osteopenia or osteoporosis, 
resistance training is very important. So I would even try to do that three times a week. And then the third form beside cardio and resistance is core and balance work. So core training can be really part of your resistance workout. Um, you can also get on the floor and do planks. And there's a, there's a, you know, a list of other exercises that are great for your core. Your core is so important for stabilizing you um, in all sort of, you know, functionally in all aspects of your life, whether it's pulling open a door, uh, putting a, a suitcase into an overhead compartment, you need to engage your core as well to have some uh, arm strength and you need core strength. And then balance. Um, it turns out that loss of balance and falls is a major cause of what we call morbidity and even mortality, that is unwellness, especially in older people. So one of the most common causes of this sort of downhill spiral as we age, particularly over the age of 70 or so, not that I'm calling that old by any means, but our balance tends to suffer and falls become a significant risk. And we all, most of us at least, can think of an older relative, an aunt, uncle, or parent, or grandparent who fell and broke their hip. They had surgery under general anesthesia, and they were never quite the same after that. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, maintaining our core strength and balance is very important. So cardio, resistance, and core and balance are things that we can work on. And I, you know, I really think that we should all be exercising intentionally the iron gain with intent with a plan four or five times a week and mm -hmm. even the other two days maybe letting our bodies have relative rest but getting out there and walking whether it's a brisk walk with a dog or a friend or or even by oneself during the daylight hours if possible thank you for breaking that down into such i mean that is very clear those three i mean i think those three categories are very clear and i'm 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 kind of happy um, to report that my mom, who is 80, she'll be 81 in March, the most recent recommendation from her doctor was balance because she's she already works out uh, regularly. She does cardio and mostly cardio, I would say, but um, that was the that was the top recommendation was that she find a balance practice. Yes, and there are some, you know, just going online, um, watching a YouTube, it's easy to find uh, yes good things to do and. One way to test your balance is to try to stand on one foot. And then once you can do that for at least 15 seconds, ideally maybe even 30, try closing your eyes. <laughs> and, you know, I could say that my balance is not very good. I, I need to uh, make a more directed effort to improve my balance as well. Mine is, that is not my strong suit. Uh, <laughs> balance is not my strong suit. And I, um, as we get into gain, um, you know, when you're trying something new or you're working on something that's not your strong suit, it is important to not uh, judge yourself. And I love that you've included that in game. Yes, I tried to, you know, again, according to the KISS principle, keeping it simple, tried to distill uh, down to the minimum number of elements, what I think are the the core essential ingredients to mental wellness and and spiritual well-being as well. And I came up with four. And, you know, I can remember the elements of a, a acronym that has four letters. I, 
I love people like Deepak Chopra, but I'm just not able to remember something that has seven steps or 10 ways or what have you. So four is about what my brain can handle. And the four elements that I derived or, or you know, included are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. So we can go through those quickly. They're very interconnected. And just as we talked about sleep, exercise, and nutrition, very intertwined. They're, they're you know, really mutually dependent variables, if you will. So starting with gratitude, I think we all know that gratitude is key to happiness. We, we may know somebody yes. or certainly can imagine somebody who's poor and happy or physically challenged and happy, but you can't even imagine somebody who's ungrateful and happy. No. <laughs> and there's a lot of science nope. on gratitude. Um, and, you know, the thing is that when you have a gratitude practice, even a three-minute game practice in the morning, what happens is you find that when you're being ungrateful and whining, a light bulb goes off and you recognize when you're doing it. And those light bulb moments are key. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I like to talk about those light bulb moments with regard to all four of these uh, gain elements, but certainly gratitude is intrinsic to happiness. Acceptance is as well, because you can't just have a gratitude practice and, and believe that everything else in life is going to fall into place and be wonderful. Um, we've all had pain. I think pain is an intrinsic part of life. Uh, it's how we deal with it that uh, determines how much we suffer. There's a formula in, in the book, suffering equals pain times resistance. You know, we love formulas in medicine. Mm -hmm. but the pain is there. We've lost a relative. Um, you know, I lost my son at the age of 29, six years ago. Mm. That pain is always there. But if I push it away or depersonalize it or, you know, there's so many ways we resist uh, then my suffering goes up. Suffering equals pain times resistance. The pain yes. may be somewhat constant, although hopefully less over time. But when we resist rather than accept, we increase our suffering. And so uh, acceptance is part of the gain practice. The I is intention. And we've talked about having an intention or a plan to improve our sleep hygiene, to focus on the key elements of exercise and also nutrition. And also, uh, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we all have ways in which our brains are wired that appear to interfere with our ability to be happy. And one is mm -hmm. we have a negativity bias. We focus mm -hmm. on the negative. We tend to forget the positive. 80% uh, of our thoughts are negative. This is what I read that somebody actually published. Um, so the good news is if we're intentional, if we have a plan, we can rewire our brains. We have this amazing quality called neuroplasticity. So if we have a plan, we can rewire our brains to be more positive. And this negativity bias will lesson over time with practice. And the other way our brains are wired that interferes with our happiness is that we're very distracted with the past and the future in ways that are maladaptive. Um, yes. As some, some considerations of the future are adaptive, obviously planning to get together with friends and putting bread on the table. But when we overthink the future combined with our negativity bias, we generate a lot of fear and anxiety. And the same goes for our distraction with the past generating a lot of shame and regret, low self-esteem. Um, so the, if we have a plan, we can actually rewire our brains uh, using gain or another mindfulness practice, for example. 
And the N quickly is non-judgment. And, you know, our brains are wired to judge everything around us. And Mm -hmm. it turns out when we render things good or bad, we're sort of seeing things through a a lens of our own biases. So if we want to see the way things truly are and really become happier, we can drop, learn to drop the judgments. And as you pointed out in the beginning of the show, we are especially harshly judgmental of ourselves. But the good news is with practice, with intention, with an intentional non-judgment practice, we can rewire our brains and become less and less judgmental. Yes, 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 and yes. I love, yes, I love all of those things. And we do talk about that quite a bit on the show about how much of the uh, suffering. So we, as you um, delineated between pain and suffering, we we also do that on the show. Pain is normal, normal part of human um, existence. Suffering is actually optional. Um, and the, all of those sort of negative voices that we hear are conditioned. We've been, and we've been working on them our whole lives in some respects. And so they seem as though they are part of us, right? when it is really a conditioned thought pattern and we we can recondition them as you have pointed out and boy it may because we experience the world and life with our minds we can when we recondition our thoughts we can be experiencing somewhat the same life but not experiencing it in the same way well put i you know maybe next time we can do again meditation together but basically the practice is we get up in the morning we open the blinds there may or may not be sunlight uh we do our morning hygiene thing and we find a comfortable place to sit hopefully somewhere quiet and we're just going to do a three-minute practice where we first focus on our breath slowly inhaling through the nose pausing and exhaling slowly through our nose or mouth and repeating that that act actually activates our parasympathetic nervous system and lowers our heart rate blood pressure even our blood sugar. And then we go through a 30 to 40 seconds each contemplation of those four elements, gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment. We're kind of linking those to our breath as we go. And then we go back to just focusing on the breath, open our eyes, and we're ready to go out in the world. And again, the more we do this practice, the more we have those light bulb moments when we're being ungrateful or resisting or being unintentional, unpurposeful, lapsing into the old habits of negativity and distraction. And the more we can recognize when we're judging something or someone or ourselves. And then we have that light bulb moment and we we'll, we'll, we develop the tools to drop the judgment. And, um, you know, the good news is we have this wonderful quality called neuroplasticity and we can we can gain greater happiness. Wow. That is a wonderful place to leave it. Thank you so, so much. We have packed this episode with such great tips and tools. You can learn more about Dr. Greg Hammer at greghammermd.com. In the last few seconds, Dr. Hammer, is there anything else you'd like to let everyone know about what you're doing? No, just that I would just remind everybody that there are simple processes that can make us happier people focusing on sleep, exercise, nutrition, and the four elements of gain. And we're all in this together. We all have negative thoughts. It's not our dirty little secret. And we're really all very much alike. And, um, you know, let's be in community. Let's, 
let's share each other's company, let's learn and grow and serve together. I second that. Thanks, everyone. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango. Tango.